told you. Well, where are we going to begin this time? So it turns out <laughs> um, this outline I wrote uh, was apparently ridiculously long because um, I'm looking at it now and I honestly don't think I'm going to finish this other half of it anyway. So let's back it up. Here's our question of the day. Our first episode was, you wouldn't believe me if I told you that I'm a church member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? Um, bear with me. I'm tired. I'm out of it. Um, I just had COVID. I still have COVID technically, but I'm better. Uh, so I might explain why I was so all over the place the last time I recorded. But honestly, I feel like I'm going to be like that no matter how we cut it, guys. Today's question is going to be, because we're trying to finish this outline. What do you think? Would you believe me if I told you that I'm still a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? The last thing we left off talking about, which I just, you know, went back through to try to take a look at it, was when I set the date for my baptism and how I started working on just doing what I'm told sometimes. When I'm told something by the Spirit, when I'm told sound advice from someone that I just straight up don't want to do because I'm defiant like that, just doing that. I also learned while doing my transcribing from episode one that I use a lot of filler words when left to my own devices. I said, um, really, and like more times than I could count. I literally gave up even writing the ums uh, or the uhs. And I started trying to find more inventive ways to spell okay. (laughs) Wouldn't just be okay, 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 okay. Because apparently... I'm pretty rusty when it comes to my speaking skills. So we'll see now that I'm more consciously aware of that, if it'll be a little smoother today for you. If not, so sorry, not sorry, too bad. This is kind of my audio diary. It's for you, but it's for me, but it's for us. It's for we, right? Whatever. Cheesy rhyme, right, Reed? I want to help others feel hope. I don't care if you're religious at all. I don't care if you don't want to be religious. Don't be. It's not for everyone. I just want you to hear some of my life stories and know that there's good in the world. There has to be, right? (laughs) There has to be. To survive some of the things I've survived, there simply has to be good in the world. To have made this metamorphosis or whatever you want to call it, this, this change in the last year, most people would call it a conversion, but whatever you want to call it, this transition, this huge change in the momentum of my life. I want you to know that's possible for you. And it, it doesn't have to mean for you what it meant for me. I just want you to, to know it's there, to know that it's out there, to know I'm out here, to know that other people are out here. Um, there is so much good and love in the world. And I remember a time that you could not have convinced me of that. I remember a time where that was not a thing that was not a reality that looked possible for me by the way I'm using a new mic today I don't know if you could tell yet I have a feeling the intro did not go well I also have a feeling that I have literally no idea how the rest of this is going to sound because I actually can't hear myself anyways which is fine because I'm not pausing we're not editing we're just going for it 
but I've got about 30 more minutes of time that I have. So let's see if I can get through some more of this for you. So about 13 months ago, is it almost, yeah, almost 13 months ago, um, in November, 2021, uh, and I think it was a Friday the 5th is when I had that big conversation with the sister missionaries that made me finally just decide to pull the trigger. It's pretty much what it was. It was a trigger that needed to be pulled. And soon it would start to feel, you know, as I made these different, I say, you know, a lot too. <laughs> Going to try to not say, you know, um, as I made these preparations for this baptism, as I made my preparations, you know, tried and preparations is a weird word, but when I was working towards this point, um, in this next month, it would reach a point that was so stressful that it didn't feel like getting ready to just pull the trigger, right? This was, this was now getting ready to rip a bandaid. Okay. This was now becoming like a gaping hole of oozing anxiety that I just wanted to get it over with. Um, and I know that it does not sound like the happy, joyous and free thing that it was, but I think don't we all have that kind of catch 22 feeling in our lives when we're getting ready to do something good, where we also feel this weight, this fear, this struggle, I've learned to call it opposition, feel this kind of cosmic opposition in my life where the better the thing I'm about to do is, the harder it's going to feel. And some of us would call that, you know, like spiritual warfare, if you believe in all that, you know, the enemy, the adversary, Satan, good old Lucifer, um, who is a piece of poo. Okay. I think I'm allowed to say that. I don't know how I'm allowed to say that, but I mean, honestly, honestly, if you believe in all that, not a nice guy, right? Not your friend. Okay especially not your friend when you're about to do something good. Okay, so let's let's hit some of these points. Let's see let's see what I can get going for us. With after that weekend, so that was a Friday I had that conversation with them. Going into that Sunday or Monday is when I finally put that e-cig down. Okay. It was not easy, it was not pretty. Okay, they gave me um another blessing, which is just, you know, a special prayer where they pray that you'll have extra comfort, extra guidance, um, hoping that this was going to happen. Because if you remember from episode one, I wasn't excited about it. This was not a happy feeling, but it wasn't a sure, comforted feeling that somehow, some way, somehow, like I was going to get this done. Did I know I was going to get it done on try one? No. I had built myself buffer time to have like probably a week or two of hiccups. Um, Fortunately, we got it. On try one, on try one, I put it down, which wasn't really putting it down. I dramatically threw it in the trash can in a dumpster um, and walked away, you know, feeling great. Um, And within the next 24 hours, I was not feeling very great at all. Now was I? Nicotine withdrawal is tricky. It's complicated. Your body is so addicted to it that if, and I was taught this a long time ago, and no, I don't have a study to quote you on because we're not fact-checking. But that your body is so addicted to it that if you do anything that even reminds your body of the fact that you might smoke soon, your body actually drains its nicotine level. It drives you further into craving. Your body craves it that hard. So your body's like, okay, and now we're just going to clean house and we're going to make you go absolutely nuts. That's why they call it a Nick Fit. Um... Well, that's not why we call it Nick Fick, because I didn't know the science when I learned the term Nick Fick. The point is, 
the point is that was rough. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that was easy. It was not easy. Was it the hardest thing I did? Quite quite possibly. Honestly, quite possibly might have been hands down the hardest part of it all. Okay? Cuz nicotine was the last thing I was holding on to. Nicotine could make me feel happy. It could amplify a bad feeling. It was whatever. I needed a cigarette for everything. I needed nicotine for everything. After I ate, when I was feeling good, when I was feeling bad, when I needed a break, when I was trying to work, like it everything. I used this like a crutch in everything. And slowly but surely, I would have to learn, which actually wasn't that slow, but anyways, I'd have to learn how to use the spirit and use God for all of that instead. That was a huge shift in my mind. And if you've never had to experience an addiction like that, I don't know, I'll explain it to you. Um, Having been through alcohol and drug addiction as well, I can tell you it's a pretty similar concept. You use it for everything and you have to learn how to relive life. You have to relearn how to live life now without it. And that was not easy. It was completely dysfunctional. I think I spent two or three days at home refusing to go to work, crying and crying and crying and watching Disney. Like it was just drawn out. It was ugly. Um, But at some point in the mix of this, you know, I don't want you to think it's all bad. This is not a cult. I chose this, right? It doesn't make it easy. I just want you to understand where this came from where I was amazed that it happened anyway. And I can't quite explain that. I think the first 72 hours are supposed to be the worst. Like the first 24 is the the worst. And then into the 48 zone still hurts. After 72 hours, if you make it 72 hours, it gets a little better. And then once you make it two weeks, that's enough habit forming time of it feeling quite a bit better. Um, I still to this day have not smoked again. I have not done any kind of nicotine, no gum, no, no e-cigarettes, none of it, no patch, none of it. Um, we just went cold turkey off the nicotine, um, which I'm sure would be great if you were a normal person who hadn't been in a phase where honestly it was a crutch. Um, I've had some mental health problems, um, ranging from depression, anxiety to mostly centered on complex post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. CPSD. Um, and when you took that away, the only thing that was almost kind of like medicating, it got ugly for a few days. Um, you know, there's this scripture story and I'm not a scripture person. We've been over that. Scriptures are great, but I just don't retain them like other people do. I would have to write them down in like a study and build you a talk if you wanted me to quote scriptures. Um, cause I just don't remember them well, but I remember there's two different ways that, you know, this whole process of repentance tends to feel sometimes when it's a big moment of remission like that. It's either an instant snap your fingers and you feel a lot better or it's very painful and slow as you really hash out that last bit you're holding on to that last bit of you that wants to still return to that same sin, that same bad habit. Um, but the point is. Obviously, I survived it, right? Obviously, here we go. I've done it, right? So at this point, what I still hadn't processed, and I don't think I fully understood all of it for, I don't know, maybe another month or two. I didn't really start telling people about it until the last couple of months. The way I explain it to people now is these things that we're taught in the word of wisdom, what they do I don't care how you feel about it, okay? I don't. I really don't. I love you, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) Word of wisdom stuff, okay? So there's people who will fight you back on, like, things like coffee and tea, okay? Green tea specifically. Oh, it has 
good medicinal properties. Oh, it does have benefits. Okay, great. Awesome. Been there, done that. What I also know about all of those substances, even the ones that you think aren't a big deal, like coffee and green tea, and even though this isn't in the word of wisdom, caffeine, okay, what they do is they give you, just like nicotine, just like other drugs within reason, is this answer that is not coming from God, that's not coming from the universe, that's not coming from the spirit, that's not coming from anything good. What it does is it takes away from that connection. So I don't, I don't care if green tea has properties that are good for you, which I remember, okay? I remember drinking green tea and it really helped me with my health with some weird kidney thing I was having for a bit. Um, and I remember dark cup of coffee is actually kind of maybe good for your heart. I think it is whatever it is, okay? I know how fun it is to go to the coffee shop with your friends and have coffee dates. And I know what it's like to go to the drive through at five in the morning from Starbucks or Caribou and have it give you that little pick-me-up and make you feel happy about life. Been there, done that. I've also learned now that I don't need it. And the fact that I don't need it is exactly why I do not want it. Because I know that once I start, it feels like I need it, right? It feels like I need it. And I don't, okay? So I'm going to stop. I'm going to get off that soapbox because most of you probably won't care about that spiel. There's probably a few of you that are like, oh, that makes sense. The rest of you are like, Reed, shut up. So Reed's going to move on. On December 4th of 2021, which is now officially almost an entire year ago, I was baptized. And I remember leading up to the baptism, once I kind of got more used to the lack of all this other stuff I shouldn't have been doing with my life, you know, (laughs) getting used to this new style of living in all of my days, there was this feeling that was... I've learned to call it opposition now, but it was horrible. It was like, I really wanted this so bad. I wanted it so bad, but something inside me felt so terrible, so stuck, so afraid. Um, And I remember there was this one night where it was, I was just so lost. And the senior missionary um, who, so when there's regular missionaries, they're usually young kids, right? Not kids. I talked about trying to not say the word kids. There's usually these young adults, okay? age 18 to 25-ish, whatever. They're kind of all in there. Ooh, I say whatever a lot too. Whatever, not the point. Um, Not an um. Moving on, Read The senior missionary was quoting something to me from probably Nephi 3. I don't know, guys. Really bad at scriptures. Told you that about me. Um, And I remember it just didn't stick. Like, it just... I felt nothing that was good, right? All I felt was this anxiety. I think I was so nervous about finally being a member, finally being, you know, one of them. There's no such thing as one of them. We are all equal, okay? But I was just feeling this terrible anticipation and this opposition, and he could just feel it, and he... For the first, and no one, I feel like no one has ever given me this pass, okay? I'm Reed. I push hard. I work hard. It's who I am. I never stop. People are like, okay, Reed, try this. Do this. do ba doo boo doo Because that's who I am. But this elder gave me a pass. This sweet old man, love him and his wife to pieces. Love him still. Just said, why don't you go get some sleep? 
His, I remember I was about to cry for no reason, just really just fall into pieces. And I did. I went and tried to get some sleep. Sleep wasn't going well. They gave me another blessing. And one of these times I was trying to fall asleep, I had this distinct, I don't know, feeling or thought that came out of nowhere, which was just listen to some hymns, just play some of the music on the app uh, and just give it a go and just try to sleep. And I remember there was suddenly just more peace. It wasn't this crazy white light moment, but there was more peace. And what I learned that night was what I needed to probably learn the most when it came to this opposition thing. And it was that at any point in time, I need to invite the spirit in. I need to invite God to help me because I don't actually like to ask for help. If you (laughs) probably aren't surprised by that one, right guys? But I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Um, I'm going to try to not make this podcast about woe is Reed and all of Reed's life is terrible and etc. But honest to goodness, a lot of Reed's life was really tough, if you know about it. And there were a lot of points in my life which this doesn't take away from all of the great people that I have met in life and all of the good caretakers that I did have at different points. All of the great role models that I did meet, all of the cool educational variety experiences I've had, you know, et cetera, like all this stuff. There's this great, great bubble of greatness in Reed's life, right? But there's also this really hard, sorrowful, grief-filled pain. Uh, There's these deep-rooted scars. There's this resent. There's this pain. There's this trauma. And I've worked on it so, so hard, and it's gotten so much better. But a lot of those huge steps, not just small steps, huge steps have come in the last year while working on this God thing and working on this believing in the Savior thing. Because here's what was happening for me. Now I really needed help. I really needed help because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to live life without these crutches. I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to talk to anymore because a lot of people don't always understand when you explain these things to them that you're trying to you know break these habits and do these things and especially for those of you who know me I'm kind of one of those phasey girls right I'm on those trends not really like trends like crash diets and weird stuff like that but like I will get this idea in my head and this is this new thing that I'm obsessed with this is the new thing I want to do and when I was transitioning at this point, I'm still not sure if this is forever. I don't I don't know if I'm going to change my mind in like a week and give up. I don't know if I'm going to be baptized and find out I don't really like being a member. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I should feel. I'm really lost. I'm really hurting. I don't know who to turn to, even though there's dozens of people around me who want to help, right? There's always people around you who want to help. I'm so stuck in my own head that I don't know how to ask because I don't feel like I should ask because I've learned enough times about people that they're always going to let you down. At some point, everyone's human. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone lets everyone down. But at this point, I wasn't, I hadn't considered the fact that it was time to let people in. It was time to trust that people would help me figure out this healing, help me figure out this growth, help me figure out how to live this new life that, that I want so bad, even though I really don't understand what it is, right? So I'm just confused. Um, And I had to learn that when I feel that overwhelming feeling, 
if I just give an inch, if I give people or God, goodness, life, an inch, okay, it'll pour in by the mile, right? It's not how I use that phrase, but it's how Reed's going to use it now, okay? If I give people an inch, they will pour into my life by the mile, coined it, okay? A faith that I still didn't understand had been restored. Um, and I went through my baptism and was it the greatest baptism of all time? Probably not. Right. I mean, maybe it was it was what I needed. It was incredible for me. Um, there's two parts of it. The baptism and the confirmation baptism, somewhat similar to what you'd expect. Confirmation's a little different. It's kind of like a blessing. I mean, it is technically, I guess. Um, and I remember as soon as they touched my head, um, I felt better. I felt better. I felt that spiritual warmth for the first time in a different way that I now feel often, right? This is, it did change something. Um, and I'm not going to dig too far into that part because I think that's something you see or believe or learn or experience for yourself if you decide to be baptized into this church. I'll probably dig into it some other day, but for whatever reason, I have the impression I'm not going to bother digging into it right now. Um, so I'm going to move on. Um, after being baptized at last, like I felt better. Okay. There was still some struggles, but like I felt better, um, within, I think it was, a f so I think it was the 9th of January or something. So less than a month later, no, that's over a month read over a month later. Oh, I should tell you. <laughs> so the, the image on the, um, on my music and on this podcast, that image, that portrait of me was a gift for my baptism. Um, my friends knew how much I did not like attention, which sounds weird compared to me now, right? Like I'm all over TikTok. I'm all over Insta. I'm on this podcast stuff. I'm all over the place doing all sorts of things. Whatever. There's my face. You know what? We're not going to talk about all the places you can find my face now, but I was not about that life. And they thought it'd be hilarious to give me this huge portrait, this beautiful portrait, painted portrait of myself. Um, with the, in the ring of light represents mind's eye, which we talked about that a little bit last time. Um, cause I don't like surprises. I don't like attention. They recorded it. It was a whole mess. And now I just own it. Okay. I own that. Uh, apparently I draw attention to myself wherever I go. Uh, even when I'm trying to lay low, I just stick out like a sore thumb here and that's fine. So just, you know, that's where that came from. Uh, that, that portrait represents mind's eye and it was a gift from, some of the missionaries who taught me before my baptism, they gifted it to me after the baptism. Um, it's beautiful. I don't do not have it displayed anywhere. It's it's well hidden, but I look at it from time to time because it's so pretty. Um, so we'll move on to our next. We get into January of 2022 um, and like a weekend. I'm not feeling great. I'm really out of it. There's this one morning and I. Honestly, I thought that maybe it was like me just having a fit because of um, just still trying to adjust to life, having some anxiety. I also, at the same time I started all this church stuff, went through two huge career changes, like simultaneously, um, and really had changed my entire schedule around, changed like usually my networking where I was, like so much had just changed. I'm working with new people, not in a new place, but new people, it's complicated. But, oh, it was so overwhelming. And I remember there was this morning where I was just like, done. 
Okay. <laughs> I really had had it this morning. I went out to start my truck. It won't start. It's so cold that my hands are like freezing trying to jump my truck. I had these cute little jump pack my grandpa bought me for in case that happened because it's so cold in Minnesota that cars die. I mean, that's not why my car was dying. Not the point, but I had one. Um, and this morning I went to jump in and I just couldn't do it. I was so upset and cranky. I like went back charging inside and was like, I'm just not going to go to work today, whatever. Um, and I remember as the day went on, I, I started to come to my senses that I really was not feeling great. Uh, I was really out of it and my body was just so tired that I wanted to cry. Like, which here's <laughs> Here's the thing about when you're that sick. Uh, you tend to not think straight. So instead of thinking like, oh, I'm really sick, I'm thinking to myself like, why am I so weak? Like I'm really giving myself this mental beat down. Why am I so weak? Why can't I get it together? Well, guess what? I had COVID. <laughs> I had COVID for the second time. Um, and I should have recognized that feeling from the first time. Because the first time I had COVID, um, there's like a couple days where I was stuffy a uh, really bad snotty thing, but then I was just kind of fine. I thought like the, the snottiness went away. There was no coughing. There was like, nothing. I was fine until like a week later, all of a sudden I was just so tired. At that point, I was pushing this cart of stuff, lugging it back to part of the storage of one of the places I was working. And I remember, even though I'd pushed carts like this before, it was so hard. Like I was so tired and so weak that it took me forever to do it and I couldn't figure out like why I felt like that it turned out I had COVID because uh, it didn't occur to me until a few days after that when I lost my taste and smell I was like oh is this that COVID thing my body always gets symptoms all kinds of out of order so this second time I had COVID I think I was a little stuffy but it didn't even feel like there was a cold it's really legitimately temperature cold in Minnesota. So going outside like makes your nose run kind of normal. Um, until this morning where I threw this fit because I was so tired. Um, and then I went and got tested uh, at like a test and driving clinic and they couldn't uh, give it. They couldn't, you know, they don't do the test immediately there when you do those clinics, the drive through ones. Um and it hadn't come back yet, but I had this appointment set up with my primary doctor anyways. And I remember I went in and I was about to read them the riot act. Like something is wrong with me and people need to figure it out. I was losing my marbles, guys. Um, and then <laughs> they, they went to let me in the room. They're like, um, you need to go home right now because you have COVID again. I was like, oh, um, if you don't know, um, I've been immunocompromised for a while now a lot of you don't even know what that means proven by how many conversations I've had trying to explain to people what it means it just means my body doesn't fight it off well enough I get infections they last longer um, I'm high risk there's always complications uh, long-term complications too that I've put me in the hospital before um, it's really complicated and hard to explain so I shouldn't be that mad when people don't understand but I'm immunocompromised which means COVID usually equals 21 days of quarantine. Yep, you heard it from me first. 21 days of quarantine, not five. Not 21 days with the mask. 21 days in quarantine at home. Okay, so I had um, <laughs> to endure quarantine again. Not for the first time, for the second time. At home, alone. Um, and I was very fortunate that my... 
ministering companion was the bishop's wife and she's the best lady ever guys she's gonna come here for my endowment in a couple of weeks um her name's I'm not going to say her name. I don't say people's names, but she's the sweetest. If you're coming to my endowment, you'll meet her. She's amazing. She's like a mom, but she's also like my best friend. Um, and she just gave me so much light and hope and joy no matter what was up. So those three weeks, she brought me my meds. She brought me groceries. She was a godsend. No pun intended. Is that even punny? I don't know. So I guess it's kind of nostalgic and weird for me because I just went through COVID again and I guess I'm still kind of going through it. But um, last weekend after I did the first recording of this, uh, afterwards, my voice was raw. I might sound a little scratchy right now, but it's nothing like that was. It was raw. And I still had three, two, two choir things that day. Um, and by the end, it was hurting. Like, it wasn't just irritating to sing. It, like, hurt. And I was so tired, and my head was hurting so much. And I tried to get um, another uh, blessing, just ask for one, another prayer, hoping that, you know, they could, hoping that maybe I wouldn't get super sick. Because um, <laughs> I could feel it coming, and I was just in denial. I didn't know it was COVID, but I knew that I was sick again, because I do get sick often. It's the joys of being on and off chemo because chemo stays in your system anyways for at least six months um so even if i'm off it because sometimes i take a break and don't take it for a month or two at a time um the point i'm making is yeah it's it's pretty common for me to be sick i knew i was probably getting sick again i didn't expect it to be covid uh because this is i've already had covid twice um and what hadn't happened yet is that terrible tiredness so i just assumed that it was not covid um, the next day I was so phlegmy and I was at work trying to cough and like, I would get these horrible phlegm balls guys. That would make my voice sound ridiculous. I have some recordings of it on my TikTok. Well, I have some recordings on my TikTok that happened to have it in there. Um, and it's, it was bad. My voice was so bad. Um, so that's why I haven't bothered to do another recording yet. This is the first day my throat's been feeling semi-accepting of me trying to live my best life, right? Um, so after being corn Reed, who got corn freed, I'm going to tell you this last story and then I'm going to hop off because I have another choir thing to get to. Um, after surviving that 21 days in quarantine, um, <laughs> there I was uh, finally out. Um, and my first thing that happened Oh, how do I explain this to you? Because I don't want to leave it sounding terribly sad again, because I was already kind of really harping on that nicotine thing earlier. But um, uh, the people in my ward at the time, still living in Minnesota, uh, they're really nice. Uh, they are. They're really nice. They're just from, we're just different. And they thought it would be cute. And it was cute. I know it was cute to um, get me a cake. It was adorable. It was a delicious cake, I'm sure. Um because I had said this, made these jokes about, and I still make these same jokes, I just made them to people again, of being like Corin Reed, my name, and Corin Freed, like getting freedom, getting out. Um, so they put on my cake, like, happy Corin Freed or something. Um, welcome back. It was really cute. Um, but it was like an enclosed space with humans after like three weeks of zero human contact. Um, so instead of it going like happy, like they were dealing with a normal person, it went really wonky and weird. Like they were dealing with a PTSD person because that is what happened. Um, I got really overwhelmed and <laughs> one of my friends, uh, just 
asked them to leave because she knew I was heading downhill. Um, and so they did and they gave me my space and I had me a little panic attack. It was not great. It was not cute. I don't want to glorify this. I'm so different or life's so hard for read nonsense. Cause that's not what it is. Here's what it was. I had never had anything like that in my life. I literally had never even had, I think a birthday cake with friends who sang to me. Like, these are not things I had in my life. I never, I really don't think that ever happened. Uh, there's one time some of my friends came out to a restaurant with me. And we had some ice cream, but all my other friends had birthdays too. It's a big Cancer Squad birthday dinner I tried to, was trying to do back then. Um, so, like, that had never happened to me. I'd never had a group of people singing to me that weren't, like, my relatives. Um, no one had ever gotten me some kind of, like, I'd never been presented anything in front of a group. It was very different. It was very foreign. And what happens to me sometimes when I do something like that for the first time is I just feel confused and frustrated, um, which I think is definitely, you know, a very opposite reaction to what most people expect. Most people will expect when they, I think anyways, right? I don't know everyone in the world. Right, but here's what I'll gather about people. It seems like people do something nice and they expect you to like I don't know, accept it or like feel good about it. Um and I'm one of those people where I just feel uncomfortable about it, right? I feel uncomfortable, I feel anxious, uh I feel like I owe you something. I and now I'm like spiraling in the back of my head thinking about like I I know that my reaction is disappointing you. And guys, the kind of life I lived growing up, having a reaction that disappoints someone had very big consequences, okay? Very big consequences if you could not um, react or respond the way that people were expecting. Um, and I won't harp on where that comes from or too much specificity because I don't want to drag up a bunch of stuff that is hard for me to talk about and is also really triggering for other people to hear about unexpectedly but I can tell you that uh, in some of the different places that I was growing up there was a lot of abuse um, and there was a lot of controlling behavior a lot of manipulations just general toxicity there was not a lot of healthy in a lot of the places I wound up in my younger years uh, and even some of my older years honestly um, so sometimes the bigger that happy feeling is the more of that dark 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 feeling it actually drags up too which is hard to process sometimes but you know i hand that to god and i wish that more people would do that would hand it over hand it over to the universe i don't care hand it over to a friend that you trust um don't hang on to it it doesn't help you. It doesn't help anyone. Um, so that's part of my journey. Uh, and it's still a journey today. It's still, <laughs> Luckily, that was the only time that tears were shed, like in an immediate capacity like that. Um, but still, like there is this adjustment. And I wish that I wish that more people who had lived lives like I've lived who had been to those dark trenches of what life can be like in this world, in this country, in this era. I wish that more, I wish that it felt like there was more people of that demographic 
who had figured out how to let it go. Who And I haven't let it go completely, right? But I have figured out how to live a functional-ish life, right? I have figured out how to be kind of happy. I figured out how to stop making uh, self-destructive choices like in that same capacity. I've figured out how to be okay with meeting new people. I'm not always great at it, but I'm great at it more often than not, which is a huge night and day difference. Strangers can talk to me now, and for the most part, most days, I will probably be friendly. I'm not going to be open. I don't like prying, but like I can, I can do that. I can do that functionally more often than not. And I think now there's kind of this point in me that is not quite imposter syndrome, but it is similar, where I get to live through these moments being surprised even at myself, okay? And this all started from that baptism, so I want to make that clear that, and remember, before that, if you listen, before I talk about the baptism, I talked about how even just the decision to do that was my first step. In recovery programs, we talk a lot about first steps, right? We talk about handing it over in some way, shape, or form, just admitting that you can't control life. And guys, you can do 12 steps without having to believe in God, right? You you just have to believe in something bigger than yourself, even if it's just the general orderly direction of the universe. Okay, you just have to believe that there's hope for you. And I want you to know that there's hope for you. Because I've been through a lot of dark holes and dark trenches, but sometimes I just do what I'm told now. People say, hey, try to be kind to yourself, and I just try to do what I'm told. The spirit says, hey, let's do some prayer and meditation. Or, hey, let's listen to some happy music today instead of sad songs. Hey, let's listen to some Christian rap instead of, you know, you know, you know what the other stuff is. Yeah. So I go through that and I take these small steps and I just try to do what I'm told. And next thing you know, you blink. I'm living halfway across the country. I'm getting ready to probably go actually even further soon. I'll tell you about that later. I'm going to go on another trip, I think, soon. A big trip, a huge trip. Um, Living this life that I never even dreamed of. Living a life that's so peaceful and full of possibility that I'm not even sure if it's mine half the time, right? And it's not. Because this is a gift that was given to me by people who cared enough to stand by me, by people who cared enough to push me, by higher powers and God, you know, and by starting to learn about these concepts of angels and family that have passed and how they're still influencing your life, how they're still there. Um, I could go on and on about this, but the point is, there is this huge change in me that started then. It started then when I, and maybe it technically started before, right? Maybe it started in that chapel when I decided, hey, Hey, God, I don't think I'm done yet. I'm not sure. You're the boss, man. But I don't think I'm done yet. Or, guys, maybe it started before that. Did it start when I got sober again? Because, boy, we might want to talk about that one next time, if I have time. Okay? Because we definitely didn't finish the outline. Okay? Maybe we need to talk about that next time, when I got sober again, because that was basically a happy accident surprise. Um, (laughs) I had been sober before, um, but... I got sober again in May of 2021. Yep. Um, So about three months uh, before I was in the hospital and had that big God moment. 
um, almost three months exactly, because I literally was in the hospital when I was supposed to get my 90 days, I think. Or was it my three months? Whatever. You, you get the point. Or maybe did my path with God start before that? Because I think it might have. Because about six months prior to that, or five months prior to that, um, I had really started looking at my relationships with other people, be it boys or just friends or coworkers. I started looking at the way I was interacting with the world around me and feeling like something was amiss, that something was off, that I could have done more, that if I just could figure it out, that I could do better. Or, you know, we could run even further. Did this journey with God start during my divorce? Because that was ugly. <laughs> that was ugly, right? And I needed to find myself again because on my way out of that marriage, there was a lot of threats made that made it feel like uh, it was so wrong of me and that God would probably never forgive me for leaving that marriage and that I'd made these vows that God wouldn't let me out of, that till death do us part. There was a lot of fiery things said in that divorce in both directions. Okay, I said some horrible things. There were also a lot of horrible things said to me that I think really challenged my faith in what I would or would not believe about what marriage was and wasn't and what God would and wouldn't think about someone's life. Guys, we could keep backing it up because you know what the moral of the story was and is and will continue to be throughout this podcast is that God most definitely was always there in my life. I just wasn't always good about seeing it. And I definitely, until recently, have not been good about trying to share it or explain it. Um, my sponsor says I'm blessed. And she's right, yo, I'm so blessed. And that's not hashtag blessed. That's my life is out of this world. It's amazing. Um, even when it doesn't seem like it. Even when I get a little lost. And it all starts with the moment I decide to hand over that false sense of control and ask for help. So if you need help, I know some places you can find some. So what do you think now, guys? Do you think that uh, you, um, well, I don't know how to find this, but what do you think now? Would you, you believe me if I told you I'm still a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Thanks for listening.